0: Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Mistress Mia's Dungeon. I'm your hostess, Mistress Mia, and tonight it's Mia's Bedtime Stories. This is from utopiastories.com. The author is Switchman, and it's called Leather or Not. Chapter 1, First Impressions. It was late June in the Midwestern college town. Three weeks before Dan had received his degree in information technology. But instead of celebrating, he was concerned for his future. The recent economic downturn had ruined his hopes for landing a job in his field, and for the first three weeks after graduation, Dan moped around his rented house, checking the mail every afternoon for responses to job applications, only to find nothing but bills. With his grant money dwindling and no immediate job prospects, He took the advice of a classmate. He decided that he would accept the first job he was offered, no matter how menial, just to get some money coming in. To start his expanded job search, he answers an ad for a job for an in-clothing store on the edge of the city near the warehouse district. Using a map from the internet, he found the location, but before he even reached the door, he knew that it was not an ordinary clothing store. It was called Leather or Not, and it seemed to be a kinky sex shop. Dan decided to check it out. As he stepped into the shop, a tiny bell above the door announced his arrival. The shop was empty except for a petite 20-something clerk and two customers who were laughing and checking out the bondage gear hanging along the wall. The clerk had long brown hair and teardrop-shaped brown eyes, She was about five and a half feet tall, athletic, well proportioned, and she wore a leather outfit that was somewhat revealing, but still left room for some imagination. Dan stood in the woman's stiletto heels, fishnet stockings, leather bustier, and leather collar as she approached him. Dan thought she was stunning in spite of the dark makeup and heavy red lipstick, or maybe because of it. Hi, I'm Amanda. Can I help you? "'The young woman asked in a pleasant voice. "'I'm Dan. "'I'm answering the ad in yesterday's issue of the Metro scene,' Dan replied. "'But now that I'm here, I'm not sure that this is the right place for me. "'I understand. "'That was my first reaction as well. "'But why don't you take a look around? "'We can talk after I help the couple in the corner.' "'Dan agreed and began to wander around the shop "'as Amanda tended to her customers.' He could hear Amanda give the same introduction to the couple that she had given to him. She must have practiced her greeting to put people at ease. The couple introduced themselves as Brian and Shelley, and they began asking Amanda about various items. Dan could tell that this was a bit of an adventure for him. He guessed that they were newlyweds looking for an exciting change of pace. Unlike that couple... Dan wasn't born yesterday. He had seen most of the items in the shop at one time or another. Movies like Pulp Fiction, Saul, and Hostel were slowly giving cuffs, collars, ball gags, and blindfolds a place in the mainstream pop culture. He just couldn't envision actually wearing such things. He thought back to an old girlfriend of his who once asked him if she could tie him to the bed frame he had always wondered what it would have been like if he would agreed. Shaking himself free of his reminiscence, he looked over to Amanda and the couple. They were in front of a three-way mirror in a far corner of the store. Brian was trying on a leather jacket and laughing. Amanda stood behind him holding up the jacket so he could slip his arms into the sleeves. And Shelley giggled as she fastened four sets of buckles running down the front. So, with this on, he'll be helpless to resist me? Shelley asked as Amanda smiled and nodded. With a closer look, Dan could tell that it was no ordinary jacket. There was only a single sleeve. A tube ran across from one shoulder to the other, trapping the man's arms across his back. Brian looked down and laughed as Shelley reached between his legs and fastened a crotch strap to the lowermost buckle in the front. He twisted from side to side as he looked in the mirror. Shelley smiled at him and said to Amanda, "'We'll take it.' "'Whoa, hold on a minute,' Brian said. "'What's wrong? Doesn't it fit?' "'Well, sure it fits, but it costs a little more than we agreed to spend.' "'Oh, that again,' said Shelley, as she turned away from him rolling her eyes. "'Just indulge me for a bit. If you really don't want to buy it, just say so. In the meantime,' Let's look at the other things that we picked out. He smiled back at her. Fair enough. Shelley then fastened a posture collar around Brian's neck and attached a long leather leash to a ring on the front of it. Next, she removed a ball gag from a hook on the nearby wall and placed it in front of Brian's mouth. You trust me, right? With all my heart said Brian as he opened his mouth and wrapped his lips around the oversized ball. Shelley tightened the leather strap, as Brian made a sense of muffled grunts that sounded like, hey, that's pretty tight. As Brian shifted in his single sleeve jacket, Amanda <laughs> handed Shelley a small padlock, which she applied to the gag strap, without Brian's knowledge. Shelley reached into her purse and removed a pair of small items. "'as she inserted one into each of Brian's ears. "'Dan realized that there were some sort of earplugs. "'Finally, Shelley put a heavily padded blindfold over Brian's eyes. "'She helped Brian to his feet and led him around by the leash. "'She watched herself in the mirrors "'as she walked Brian from one end of the mirrors to the other. "'Like I said, we'll take it, all of it,' Shelley announced to Amanda.' Shelly led Brian to the checkout counter. She tugged the leash twice, and he stopped. Dan couldn't believe what he was seeing. He wandered over to Shelly, Brian, and Amanda as they stood near the checkout. Amanda and Shelly were talking pleasantly as Shelly paid for the items using a credit card that she slipped from Brian's back pocket. Excuse me. It really isn't any of my business, but... Are you sure that he wants you to buy all of that stuff? As Shelley turned away from Amanda and toward Dan, he could see Amanda's face turn stark white. Shelley glared at him for a second and replied, You're damn right. It isn't any of your business. Dan was dumbfounded. But after a short pause, Shelley regained her congenial demeanor and said, Look, you may not realize this, but we have an understanding. If my boyfriend didn't want me to buy this stuff, he could just say so. As Dan still tried to find his voice, Shelly turned to Brian and said in a sugary sweet voice, Brian, honey, just let me know if you want to put any of this stuff back. They all looked at Brian in silence for a moment. He stood in front of them, all without moving or saying one word. There, it's settled. See? Shelley said, smiling and turning back to Amanda. Amanda handed Shelley a receipt. <laughs> You're all set. Sorry about the inconvenience, Mistress Shelley. No problem, dear. Boys will be boys. Shelley replied as she turned, smiling and winking at Dan. She gave the leash two quick tugs, and Brian soundlessly, slowly, followed Shelley out of the shop and into their car, which was parked at a meter directly across from the door. As the shop door closed and the small bell tinked, Amanda, now red as a firecracker, turned to Dan and scowled. What was that about? Do you want to get me fired or, worse yet, punished? Dan felt bad about interfering with Amanda Sale, but he still didn't understand how could she just let that woman deceive the man who said he trusted her with all of his heart. Look... I didn't want to mess anything up for you, but that guy, he didn't want to spend that much money. She just totally took advantage of him, and he didn't even realize it. Amanda just shook her head. You should stay out of things you don't understand. That man and his mistress are regular customers in here. They come in here twice a month and drop between 500 and and $1,000 every time they come in. But that doesn't make any sense, Dan said. I heard you introduced yourself as though you had never met them before. He said with a question in his voice. And they took you with their names as well. Like they were strangers meeting you for the first time. Yes, that's part of their game. Every time they come in here, I'm supposed to pretend that that it's their first time. She picks up a set of bondage gear and he tries it on. If they like it, they buy it and he wears it out of the shop. If they don't like it, he takes it off, and there goes my commission. But Amanda, it was clear that the guy hadn't made up his mind. It was also clear that he was leaning against the purchase. Again, you're speaking of things you don't understand. Don't you remember when she looked him in the eyes and asked if he trusted her? Sure, that's exactly what I'm talking about. He trusted her and she dis Look. No. Amanda cut it. He trusted her and she accepted that trust. Don't you see? He wanted her to make the decision. If he really objected to the purchase, he would have let her know when they stopped at the checkout counter. The two tugs on the leash were his cue that she was buying the gear. Similarly... The two tugs on the leash before they were left was her cue that the purchase was complete and they were leaving. Dan stood there feeling stupid. I didn't know. Of course not. You didn't know. How could you have? This probably is why Mistress Shelley lightened up before she left. Amanda smiled and melted Dan's heart. If you're still interested in hearing about the position, I can tell you about it and the shop, Amanda said. She changed the subject. Of course, your missteps of the past few minutes. I would understand if you wanted to find a job that was more vanilla. Now Dan smiled. No, I'm still interested. Actually, more so than when I came in. All right, then. Let's start the tour at the front of the store, Amanda said, and Dan knew that he was about to get quite an interesting post-graduate education. Chapter 2 the job interview. Unless you were paying attention, you might not immediately realize that the shop sold restraints and the like. The shop window was mostly filled with trendy leather clothing. One had to look a bit closer to see the cuffs, harnesses, and the other accessories displayed near the feet of the well-dressed mannequins. From the front door, Amanda showed Dan how the store was laid out. Toward the front of the store, the owner kept the more respectable merchandise—coats, skirts, pants, and shoes. The center of the store held most of the leather restraints. They were displayed on along all the walls on freestanding racks, arranged to form small island ways. At the end of the store, the owner kept the more severe strains and accessories. Looking around, Dan noticed a full-length cage hanging from the ceiling— and a set of iron manacles chained to a 50-pound iron ball. Several glass display cases along the wall housed a complete array of torture implements, pinwheels, cock cages, nipple clamps, and the like. In the back corner, farthest from the front door, there were three full-length mirrors, each at a slight angle of the others. Not an inconspicuous doorway behind the mirror separated the shop from a private back area. The back area provided access to a loading dock, a storage room, a spacious private dressing area, and a small back office. After making a fairly quick circuit around the shop, Amanda completed the tour at the checkout counter located toward the front of the store. Now, that wasn't so scary, was it? Amanda said with a smile. Dan smiled back. Still interested in the position? She said with a raised eyebrow. So far, so good, said Dan. Great. But this job isn't quite as easy as it looks. From an outsider's perspective, it probably looks like all we have to do is humor our kinky clientele and operate a cash register. In fact, there is a lot more to it. "'Well, I'm sure there's uh, inventory and a bit of office management, but how hard can it be?' said Dan. "'With that, Amanda began slowly to peel the onion that was leather or not. "'To begin with, the owner's anonymous. "'Although I couldn't actually identify him or her, I'm fairly certain that we've met. "'I was told by the person who hired me that the owner comes into the shop on a regular basis as a customer,' or delivery person, in order to keep tabs on how the shop is running. Right. So that dominatrix or that guy who just left here, trussed up like a Christmas goose could have been the owner? Theoretically, but not likely, replied Amanda, as though she had already thoroughly considered this possibility. They've only been coming into the shop for the past nine months, and I've been working here for over a year. Okay, well, at least I haven't embarrassed myself in front of the owner yet. That's a plus. Amanda laughed. So, <laughs> um, how does the owner provide any direction without direct contact, Dan asked. Well, there is a store manager, Lisa. She communicates with the owner via email, and she implements any changes the owner requires. Actually, any of us can communicate with the owner via email or text message In case of emergency, the email address and texting number are posted in the bulletin board in the office. Amanda then began to tell Dan about the compensation and the clientele. Dan was disappointed to discover that the sales associate only made minimum wage, but he perked up when Amanda mentioned that he also received a 20% commission on all sales. That meant that Amanda just pocketed over a 100 on her last sale. No wonder she didn't want him screwing things up. Our customer base is split among three general groups. Newbie thrill seekers, goth types, and the regulars, or as I like to refer to them as, the irregulars. Even though she joked about them, Amanda respected them. I'm quite certain that they're an all-educated, well-paid business people based on the amount that they spend on this stuff. Amanda paused to think, well... What else would you like to know? Why do you need another sales associate? It seems to me that between you and Lisa, you can handle the shop. It isn't like there's a line of people waiting outside to check out. Well, actually, we're very shorthanded right now. We're hoping to find two sales associates through the ad. Shop rules require two sales associates to be on duty at all times. As you can see right now, I'm the only one minding the store, so... The owner wants to find at least one new associate, ASAP. What's the big deal about having two sales associates on the floor at the same time? Security, answered Amanda. She explained that some customers like the sales associates to model the bondage gear, hence the rule requiring two sales associates. You can't operate a store with a big gag in your mouth and your hands cuffed behind your back. Currently, with only one sales associate on duty at a time, the store has temporarily suspended the customer service practice, explained Amanda. Whoa, hold on a second. You mean that I have to let the customers tie me up to make a sale? Not every time, said Amanda. Besides, we do get a pretty hefty commission. With that reward comes a. Besides, the owner doesn't condone the customers binding the staff. For safety reasons, when a sales associate is asked to model the gear, the gear is applied by the other associate again. You see the need for two associates. Sales associates are advised to use extreme caution if a customer wishes to apply the gear to either another customer or to the sales associate. While it is not prohibited, each sales associate should use his or her best judgment on such occasions. The shop only takes responsibility if the gear is applied by another associate. That's understandable. It must be a huge insurance issue. I guess. I never really thought about it. All sales associates who model the gear have a safe word or gesture that the other associate must immediately remove all the gear that they applied until the bound associate can remove the rest themselves. Wow, that's a lot to take in. Well, do you have any other questions? "'Dan thought for a moment. "'Yeah, do I have to wear the leather outfits? "'They really aren't my style. "'No, clothing is optional.' "'Seeing Dan's look of disbelief, she quickly added, "'What I meant to say was that the style of clothing is optional. "'I started out wearing street clothes, "'but I switched over to wearing leather after my first week. "'You see, if you wear the merchandise, "'you get it at cost because the owner considers it good advertising.' But if you buy bondage gear, you don't get any employee discount. That stinks. Why not give the staff some incentive to learn about the equipment firsthand? Well, there's always the on-the-job training that I just told you about. But actually, there is another incentive. The other sales associate on duty is credited with the sale and gets a 40% commission. Apparently, the owner believes that peer pressure to buy merchandise is a stronger incentive than Then an employee discount for the purchaser. "'Have you ever bought any bondage gear?' Dan asked. Amanda laughed. "'No. (laughs) Nobody's made a diamond commission off me. I just don't see the appeal.' "'Well, I've never bought anything like this stuff either, though I've been curious once or twice.' "'Your curiosity could be satisfied if you decide to take the position,' Amanda said hopefully. "'Oh, so you're offering it to me?' Dan said in surprise.' It's yours if you want it. You're in the right place at the right time. When should I start? Dan replied. Tomorrow at 10 a.m. I'll be here, (laughs) said Dan with a decisive nod. Great. To start with, you'll be working mostly with me. Let's consider tomorrow a training day. Chapter 3. Dan's First Modeling Session Friday morning couldn't arrive quickly enough for Dan. He had difficulty sleeping through the night with those thoughts of Amanda wandering through his head. He couldn't quite put his finger on why he kept thinking of her. It might have been the exotic nature of the shop. It might have been the slightly over-applied makeup. It might have been her smiling eyes. Hell, it could have simply been that he was a guy, but whatever the reason, he tingled at the thought of her. He arrived at the shop approximately at 10 o'clock Friday morning to find that Amanda had arrived a few minutes early, leaving the door unlocked for him. The familiar bell sounded to announce his punctuality. Good morning, called out Amanda from the back of the store. Good morning, Dan replied, trying to sound casual. Could you lock the door until we open at 11 o'clock? Amanda asked. Dan locked the door behind him and Amanda offered him a cup of freshly brewed coffee from the back office. They discussed the importance of punctuality when operating a retail business, and they started working. Amanda unpacked and sorted the merchandise that arrived late in the day on Thursday via UPS ground, and Dan updated the computerized inventory and applied price tags. Once they were finished, they opened the store for business and placed the merchandise in the correct locations throughout the store. They took their time and talked about current events until they finished around noon. Then each of them took turns eating lunch in the back office, while the other minded the front of the store. All in all, Dan thought it was turning out to be a pretty typical retail position, maybe even a bit mundane. About an hour after you finished the lunch, the first customer of the day came in the shop. She was professionally dressed, a woman in her 30s, she had long blonde hair that came from a bottle, based on her naturally dark eyebrows, but not even her poor choice of hair color could distract one from her beautiful facial features, perfect eyes, nose, and lips juxtaposed from her high cheekbones, and dimples made her a magnet for the eyes, Amanda had the feeling that she had met the woman somewhere before, but she couldn't quite recall when or where. Shrugging her off, you know, deja vu, Amanda nudged Dan and whispered, Go ahead, this one's yours. Dan came around the counter and politely said, Hello, I'm Dan. Can I help you find anything? Yes, I'm looking for a complete set of restraints from my partner, she said in a business-like tone. "'I'm particularly interested in an effective gag.' "'Okay,' said Dan, pausing to get his bearings. "'Let's step over here and I can show you some of our beginner sets.' "'No, thank you,' the woman said quickly, cutting Dan off. "'We've run through the beginner gear. "'I'm interested in something more extreme.' "'Okay, then,' Dan replied, changing directions. "'We need to be looking towards the back of the store.' Dan led her to the rear of the shop and helped her pick out a four-inch posture collar, a single sleeve, and two spreader bars for use on thighs and ankles. To complete the ensemble, the woman selected an inflatable gag and a locking leather hood with iPads. Once they had gathered all of the gear, Dan began to lead the woman to the checkout counter. But she caught his arm and said, The person who recommended this shop suggested that I have a sales associate demonstrate the effectiveness of the gear. Do you folks do that sort of thing? Dan looked over at Amanda and saw her grinning from ear to ear. He turned back to the customer and shakily said, Well, sure, um, we can demonstrate it. He called out to Amanda. Amanda, could you lock the front door? flip the sign, and come back here to help me demonstrate this gear. Amanda was already two steps ahead of him. She was approaching Dan and the customer, having already taken care of securing the shop. Hi, I'm Amanda, the senior sales associate here at Leather or Not. The friend who referred you here was correct. We'll gladly demonstrate anything on our showroom floor. Would you like Dan to model the gear clothed or unclothed? The woman raised her eyebrows. "'Actually, my lover will probably be wearing underwear to start, "'so why don't we try it that way,' she said thoughtfully. "'Dan swallowed hard and slowly began to unbutton his shirt. "'The woman gently reached over to stop his hands from their work "'as she continued to look at Amanda. "'But actually, I would prefer that you model the gear, my dear.' the woman said with a slight curl of the corner of her lips, you were just about her size. There was a nearly imperceptible moment of surprised silence, and Amanda said, of course. Dan couldn't believe his luck. Not only he had avoided being bound on his first day, but he got to do it to Amanda. He squirmed a bit from the bulge in his pants and rebuttoned his shirt. Amanda stripped off her leather clothing to reveal her beautifully trim body and a lacy thong and push-up bra. She was spectacular. The woman held Amanda's chin and gazed into her eyes. From this point forward, I am Mistress Juliet. Do you understand? Amanda lowered her gaze and nodded. Yes, Mistress Juliet. The woman picked up the collar and began to move forward towards Amanda. With a concerned look from Amanda, Dan remembered that he was not supposed to let the customer apply the restraints. Mistress Juliet, it's the store policy that only one sales associate may apply the restraints. Please allow me to assist. Dan held out his hand politely, and Juliet complied. Dan tenderly applied the posture collar to Amanda's beautifully pale neck. As he reached around behind her back to buckle it, he tried to catch her eyes, but she kept her eyes focused at his feet. He reached over to a nearby shelf, removed a set of small padlocks, and fastened one to the buckle of the posture collar. The click seemed particularly satisfying, and his bulge grew a little bit harder. Mistress Juliet then handed him the single sleeve, and he was helping slide it up a arms and he realized that it might be a size too small for Amanda. Mrs. Juliet, maybe a bigger size is an order. Dan began, but Juliet quickly cut him off. She has a virtually identical build as my Susan's, and this is the size that I want, she said authoritatively. Dan continued to work the sleeve up Amanda's arms. She periodically suppressed a grunt, but she never used her safe word. "'Dan took that as a sign that he could and should continue, of course. "'Eventually, he had the arm binder in place "'and he crossed a pair of straps from the sides along the top of the arm binder "'to mating roller buckles under each arm. "'Dan pulled them snug and knew that Amanda was now utterly helpless. "'He wondered how she felt as he applied the spreader bars above her knees and between her ankles.' He was careful to keep a close eye on her as he received the hood and gag from Juliet. Amanda was silent as he applied the hood, which took her away her vision and a good amount of hearing. After lacing and locking the hood around her head, he unzipped the mouthpiece. As soon as he raised the inflatable gag to Amanda's lips, she accepted it. Several pumps later, the demonstration was complete. Amanda stood there at the mercy of Dan and Juliet, unable to hear, unable to see, unable to talk, and unable to move. She was cut off from the outside world. The only thing that she could interact with was the arm binder and the spreader bars. She stood there, carefully balanced on her stiletto heels, testing the unyielding grip of the single sleeve. Juliet began to slowly and silently circle Amanda's bound form. Dan remained silent as he imagined that Juliet was playing out a scene in her head to determine whether the gear suited her purposes. His mind slowly began to wander and he imagined himself in Juliet's position. But in a private setting, away from any onlookers or sales clerks, what would he do with Amanda in such a state? He could feel a wetness explode in his pants, and he dared not look down and draw attention to it. Finally, after circling Amanda twice, Juliette said, This is missing one thing. A vibrator. Dan nodded and said, Certainly, we can pick one out at the uh, checkout counter. No need. I already have the one I want. And she lifted her hand to reveal a vibrator and a bottle of lubricant. The vibrator was a small unit that was designed to be held against a woman's clitoris by a pair of tight panties, and it was designed to enter a woman only about one inch. Dan didn't recall seeing her pick up the lube or the vibrator, but he knew he was in a spot. He had never discussed this type of thing with Amanda. He didn't know what the store policy was about demonstrating insertibles, or whether Amanda would even consent. Mistress Juliet, given the obvious personal hygiene issues, why don't we just ring those up without a demonstration? No, actually, this is exactly the demonstration that I need, Juliet responded. You see, my partner has never allowed me to use a vibrator on her. Much like young Amanda here, she will have no idea that it's coming and will not have a chance to consent aside from the general consent that she made when she allowed herself to be bound and used. But I don't think, Dan started. I'm afraid that if you think too much, you will lose the sale, Juliet interrupted. Either I get a complete demonstration or I leave here with nothing. Juliet stared unblinkingly at Dan as he tried to consider all of the options. He didn't know if Amanda would consent and he knew that she was his responsibility. Even if she would have consented, he was pretty sure that she wouldn't want him rummaging around down there. I understand, mistress. Go ahead and apply the vibrator as you see fit, but I reserve the right to remove it at my discretion. Of course, she said with a smile as she activated the vibrator. Amanda began silently and slowly shaking her head. Juliet generously lubricated the business end of the vibrator, and she stretched the waistband of Amanda's panties to allow access to her most private region. Amanda's head shaking became more pronounced, and she began grunting into the inflatable gag. Juliet reached up and gave the gag two sharp pumps, which considerably dampened Amanda's protest. She then swiftly inserted the vibrator, allowing the panty to, s- to snap back in place. Amanda bucked and flailed violently, straining against the unyielding arm binder. She quickly lost her balance, and Dan caught her from behind, but she didn't stop twisting and grunting from behind her gag. She was gulping her air through her nose when Juliet reached down and turned off the vibrator. Amanda went limp and let a long, shaky, high-pitched sigh. (sighs) "'Take it easy, dear,' Juliet said as she patted Amanda's hooded cheek. You totally sold me. Dan continued to hold Amanda while Juliet removed the spreader bars. They maneuvered Amanda to a nearby chair and lowered her into it. Dan then removed the hood, and Amanda tried to adjust the sudden flow of light into her eyes. By the time the posture collar and gag were removed, Amanda was staring daggers at Dan, but said nothing. Dan and Juliet both helped Amanda out of her single glove, and she slowly flexed her arms to relieve the stiffness and lack of circulation. As Dan gathered up the various pieces of gear, Juliet put her arms around Amanda and said, "'Don't be too hard on him, honey. "'We didn't really have a choice in the matter. "'Why don't you go in the back and take care of yourself?' With that, Juliet handed Amanda her nicely folded clothes and nodded towards Amanda's crotch, which still held the now silent intruder. Amanda silently accepted her clothes and disappeared through the door at the back of the store. As Dan was ringing up the merchandise, Juliet commented, "'Add on a second bottle of personal lubricant, and a second vibrator like the one in the demonstration.' "'No problem,' Dan said, wondering why she needed to.' Tell Amanda that she can keep the vibrator that she used as a gift from me. She seemed to enjoy it also. And uh, add in a $200 tip for her assistance. Thank you, Dan said. That might make her forget the role that I played in all of this. Yes, I hope so, Juliet said with a smile. Oh, and tell her that I will be back next month to buy some gear that I'll need you to demonstrate. Okay, I-I will, Dan said with a bit of hesitation. Thank you, I-I think. As Dan unlocked the front door and opened it for Juliet, he felt a bit more confident than he did prior to the demonstration. He thought to himself that his first modelling session had gone as well as he could have expected. But he is confident, and-it did turn into embarrassment rather quickly when he noticed Juliet checking out the stain in the front of his jeans. Maybe when your co-worker is finished, you should uh, clean up yourself as well, darling. Chapter 4. Things Get Personal Dan completed his first full day at Leather or Not, without any customers requesting a demonstration of the products in the shop. After briefly discussing the matter with Amanda, Dan felt better about how he handled the situation. Amanda made him promise not to make the same mistake again, but she seemed to forgive him. The day ended uneventfully. He and Amanda closed the shop together and they went their separate ways for the weekend. Dan had considered asking Amanda out for drinks or to a movie, but one of the first things she told him on that first day was that the shop owner had a strict no-dating policy. She quickly followed up the information with, Besides, I'm sure a nice guy like you can get a date anywhere, anytime he wants. Dan's weekend moved slowly. He occupied himself with his continuing job search, but he found it hard to concentrate. He couldn't stop thinking about Amanda. He was particularly caught up with Amanda's you know, modeling session and how excited he had been when she was helplessly writhering about Monday finally arrived, and Dan found himself back at the shop to start his first full week. Over the next few days, he discovered that requests for demonstrations or modeling were rather infrequent. In fact, he discovered the sales were rather infrequent as well. It seemed that most of the people who came into the store were just there to browse. Every time Dan or Amanda would approach these customers, they would either scare the customers off or get a cold shoulder. After days of observing customer behavior, Dan finally commented, Why do these people come in here if they aren't interested in buying anything? Oh, they're just tourists, Amanda replied. Tourists? Dan asked. Yes, they come in to see the sights like tourists. Sometimes I call them rubberneckers, gawkers, tire kickers. But it all just comes down to curiosity without the conviction to follow it up. Wow, that's a harsh critique from someone who uh, never purchased anything in here before. Maybe so, but I have never really come through a shop like this as though it were a freak show. Dan dropped the subject, figuring that she had a point. He changed the subject by asking Amanda about her family. She told him about her life growing up in an upper-middle-class family. Extremely conservative, of course. Her parents would be mortified to find out that their daughter made their living selling bondage equipment. She confided in him and that they believed that she was still working in a used CD shop. She joked that if it was only a little white lie, since some of her customers were used CDs, aka cross-dressers, that was. Dan told Amanda about his search for a job in his chosen field, but he made sure that she understood how much he enjoyed working with her. Eventually, each revealed to the other that they were not currently dating, and Dan seized the opportunity. He immediately asked Amanda out for a date for the following weekend. Dan was hit by stunning silence. After a bit, Amanda asked, what about the owner's, you know, no dating policy? What the owner doesn't know won't hurt him, Dan quickly replied. Or Her. <laughs> Amanda said with a smile. I'll go out with you on one condition. Just in case you're only interested in me because you've seen me get tied up in my underwear, let's agree that we will leave work at work. No bondage outside the shop. No problems, Dan. I would prefer that as well, especially since you have me at a distinct disadvantage since you have a lot more practice at tying people up than I do. Thursday afternoon was heading towards evening, and he had almost completed his first full week at the shop when a group of six college-aged girls loudly entered the shop. It was Dan's turn to wait on the customers, but he took his time approaching them. Based on their boisterous giggling, he figured that they were just there for the novelty of it. He couldn't have been more wrong. He approached the girls and began to address the tall blonde who appeared to be the leader of the group. "'We need to buy some things to tie up some boys,' the tall blonde announced before Dan even introduced himself. "'Well, you've come to the right place,' he said jokingly. "'We are the pledge night planning committee for our sorority, and we need restraints for six football players.' We were considering handcuffs. They are inescapable, but not so comfortable. Do you have any leather restraints that could control a big, strong guy like yourself, for example? Well, we have some three-inch wide leather cuffs that would restrain just about anybody. After a brief explanation... Dan learned that the girls had coordinated their sorority pledge party with a corresponding fraternity's hazing party. As part of their hazing, the fraternity members were going to restrain their top six pledges and give them to the top six pledges of the sorority. The sorority pledges would keep the fraternity pledges as slaves until 9 o'clock the next morning. A chaperone assigned to each pair of pledges would judge the sorority pledge by how cruelly or kindly she treated her slave during the 12-hour period. The girls didn't explain to Dan whether pledges would receive more or fewer points for cruelty, but he wasn't sure he really wanted to know anyway. He led the group to the back of the store where the more extreme restraints were displayed, and he could see the mischievous thoughts behind each other's eyes. They looked like children at a candy store as they gazed around in wide-eyed wonder. He showed them the heavy-duty cuffs and then tugged the ends to test how sturdy they were. With a nod from the blonde, one of the girls collected six pairs and then took them to the checkout counter. Dan then proceeded to show them blindfolds, ball gags, collars, and heavy-duty leather ankle restraints, connected by an 18-inch chain. Each time, one of the girls would gather up a half a dozen of the items and deposit them on the checkout counter. Finally, the girls asked Dan to show them the punishment devices. They seemed particularly interested in whips and riding crops. One of the girls suggested that they could have an equestrian theme for the evening. Dan started to mention that they had an entire selection of pony restraints, but the tall blonde quickly refocused their attention back to basic restraints. She said that they would work well regardless of whatever theme they ultimately selected. Dan thought to himself that she would probably be deciding the party's theme anyway, based on her dominant personality. Unlike the restraints, they selected a variety of slappers, two riding crops, two whips, a cane, and a rather nasty-looking paddle. This time, the blonde collecting the merchandise herself, and she led them to the counter. Amanda had just completed scanning the barcodes from the other merchandise when the blonde said to her, I hope that this all comes under a $1,000, because that is our limit. After a few more beeps from the checkout computer, Amanda announced $945 even. Wow. "'whispered a cute little brunette to the tall blonde. "'That's an awful lot of money. "'What if they don't work? "'The party would be a disaster if the slaves got away. "'We'll just have to take that chance. "'Well, Amanda said, you don't have to. "'All of the girls looked between Amanda and the blonde, "'wondering what Amanda meant. "'After a moment's pause, the blonde asked, "'What do you mean we don't have to take that chance?' Well, you could test how effective the restraints are by having someone try them on before you pay for them, Amanda offered with a cunning smile. Thanks for the suggestion, but that wouldn't work, the blonde replied quickly. I don't think any of us would be foolish enough to try them on, and besides, I'm certain that none of us could get out of them, even if we did. I don't think you realize that we plan on using these on fraternity pledges who are a lot stronger than we are. You mean that Dan didn't brag about our shop's standing offer to demonstrate our merchandise before you purchased it? Dan, shame on you, Amanda said, shaking her finger at Dan with an overemphasized look of disapproval on her face. Ten minutes later, Dan found himself stripped down to his underwear in the rear of the shop. Instead of using the heavy-duty wrist cuffs that Dan had suggested to the girls, Amanda applied a neck-to-wrist restraint that held Dan's arms parallel across the small of his back. The cuffs were connected to a harness that crossed from the cuffs up and around the sides of his torso to the front of a matching collar. Amanda adjusted the harness to hold Dan's wrist just a little higher behind his back than he was comfortable with. The women all gathered around Dan and pointed out how the cuffs looked like they made him completely vulnerable. They asked him to try to break free, and Dan gave it a valiant effort, but the restraints didn't budge. Dan's shoulders ached a bit as he began to mention it to Amanda. She inserted a ball gag into his open mouth. He struggled a bit, but decided that he had to better cooperate. He wasn't so much afraid that he would lose the sale, as he realized that he was in no position to antagonize either Amanda or the tall blonde who was ominously silent during the demonstration. It wasn't until the ball was wedged behind his teeth that he realized that Amanda had selected a gag with their largest size ball. Dan would have trouble getting this out, even if Amanda had not fastened the strap. To complete the ensemble, Amanda placed a blindfold over his eyes that completely removed his vision. Once he was bound, gagged, and blindfolded, Amanda began to calmly discuss the various restraints and alternatives and much more detail than Dan had. She had made it a point to ignore him, and the girls followed along. I saw of the merchandise that Dan helped you pick out, but I was surprised that you didn't buy any leashes for your slaves. I guess we hadn't thought about it. Do we really need them? said the cute brunette. Well, you don't need them, but they can really be useful and they can double as a whip, which gives you a little bit more bang for your buck. Here, let me show you. Dan heard a distinctive snap and he felt a gentle tug at his collar. He obediently followed along as Amanda paraded him around the rear of the shop. The girls giggled. I tell you what, Let me show you a new piece that we just received this week, said Amanda. Dan had no idea where this was headed, but he didn't like the sound of it. This is our portable spanking bench, Amanda said as she forced Dan to bend over a device that looked something like a collapsible, leathered, covered workbench. Once Dan's chest was resting along the top of the bench, Amanda attached Dan's collar to the bench with a snap hook. His underwear-covered ass was facing the women, and he was powerless to stand up. What are these? He heard one of the women ask from behind. Here, let me show you, Amanda said as Dan felt his ankles being cuffed to the base of the bench. Wow, that's really nice, but we can never afford six of those. Maybe not, but I would be able to let you borrow this one to use for the party. It isn't often that someone buys a $1,000 worth of gear on one shopping trip. Let me show you a couple of other things, Amanda said. (laughs) Dan heard her voice moving away from him. Slowly, the sound of the women moving away from him as well. He could hear Amanda showing the sorority sisters item after item. Finally, he heard Amanda say, Great, I'm sure you'll be much happier with this gear than with the gear that Dan showed you originally. It seemed like hours. Dan could hear the women passing the time and talking at the checkout counter. He couldn't do a thing about it, but he wished that Amanda would complete the sale already. Suddenly, he smelled the perfume of the tall blonde, and he could feel breathing in his right ear. The women continued to talk at the front of the store, but Dan wasn't sure that the blonde was right next to him. Finally, she whispered in his ear, "'Thank you for your help in picking out our gear,' she said. We ended up making some different decisions after talking with Amanda. She was really helpful.' She paused, but Dan could still feel her breathing. "'Shame on you for not offering the bench to us like Amanda.' You were a naughty little salesman, weren't you? She whispered with a pout in her voice. Amanda remained silent following the rhetorical question when a piercing slap across his ass made him realize that it wasn't rhetorical after all. Hmm, hmm, Dan shouted in his gag. Beth, dear, Dan heard Amanda call from the front of the store. I'm afraid I can't let you continue. It is against store policy. Oh, just one more. He's such a bad boy. Amanda paused as though in contemplation. You know what? He really has been a bit naughty. I've thought so ever since his very first day. Go ahead. Teach him a lesson, but no permanent marks. I'm sure he wouldn't mind a bit of discomfort for a really good sale. Isn't that right, Dan?' Dan immediately realized that this was his payback for the vibrator stunt he pulled on Amanda his first day. Panic overtook him and he completely forgot the release signal Amanda assigned him in the event he was gagged. He felt his underwear being slid below his buttocks and he felt three swift whacks to his ass before he remembered that his safe signal was the national anthem. By the time he remembered, though, it was all over. His briefs were slid back to their original position, and he could hear the tall blonde walking to the front of the store. Let's go, girls. We have a party to plan. Oh, and thank you, Amanda. We appreciate the demonstration, and I'm sure we'll come back again now that we know about the shop's superior customer service level. Amanda showed the women out, but relocked the front door after they left. She decided to close the shop up a bit early tonight. She reached off the shelves with the gear that the women decided not to buy. She tidied up the back office. She signed for the final UPS shipment of the day. And finally, she released Dan from the spanking bench and other restraints. When she was through, she smiled and said, I think that makes us about even. Dan smiled sheepishly and said, Yeah, I guess, except that I didn't get a $200 tip and a vibrator out of the deal. Chapter 5 Amanda's in a Bind Even though Dan wasn't working in his chosen field, he was considering ending his search for another job. He'd been working at the shop for over a few weeks now, but he couldn't remember a time when he had even been happier. It wasn't really the job that had changed his outlook, though. His relationship with Amanda was amazing. He couldn't stop thinking about her, and they certainly worked well together. Their dates gave him a satisfaction he never knew working with her was a special bonus. Just after lunch on a slow Friday afternoon, Dan was lazily arranging merchandise that had been moved out of place by customers earlier in the day. The bell over the front door sounded, and for the first time since working at the shop, he identified a repeat customer, Mr. Shelley, the dominatrix whom Dan confronted on the day of his interview entered the shop. When Dan first saw her a few weeks ago, she was dressed in street clothes, and he would never have guessed that she was a dominatrix. This visit was very, very different. Her appearance screamed BDSM. Mr. Shelley was attired head-to-toe in leather. Her hair was pulled back into a ponytail by a leather bow, and it resembled that of bunny ears. She wore a leather bodice with a plunging neckline. A tight black corset with steel boning concealed her nicely-toned abdominal muscles. Her shapely thighs were covered by fishnet stockings, and she wore leather mini-boots with foreign heels to complete her ensemble. Over her arm, she carried a small leather pouch as a kind of oversized purse. She walked straight up to Dan, who smiled and said, "'Hello, Mistress Shelley, I'm Dan.' "'The new sales associate. Can I help you?' "'She smiled. "'Oh, I remember you. "'A few weeks back, you were questioning my good character. "'I never forget about someone who deserves a spanking.' "'Yes, ma'am, about that. I I had no idea,' Dan stammered. "'No matter. It's all water under the bridge. "'I assume that Amanda set you straight?' Definitely. Well, it won't happen again, I I promise. What can I do to help you today? Actually, nothing, she said dismissively. I sought you out just to make you squirm a little. I always insist on using Amanda as my sales associate. She has a knack for knowing just what I want even before I want it. Okay, I understand. She's right over there, Dan said as he pointed out Amanda at the back of the store. Dan went back to arranging the misplaced merchandise for a few minutes when Amanda called from the back of the store. Dan, could you help me demonstrate some merchandise for Mistress Shelley? I'm on my way, Dan said immediately, trying to show his attentiveness. He went directly to the back of the store where Amanda was showing Mistress Shelley a new line of latex products designed to stimulate the wearer. Amanda explained that the shop doesn't typically offer any products that aren't leather, but these were so good that the owner made an exception. We just put these items on the showroom floor this morning. We haven't even been fully breathed on any of these selling points on this item. Well, let's be adventurous. We can find out together what makes these items so special. Mr. Shelley gave Dan a truly evil grin that made his groin deliciously uncomfortable. Amanda continued, I understand that the latex cuffs are as strong as our heavy-duty leather counterparts, and we have sizes to fit wrists, forearms, biceps, thighs, calves, and ankles. Of course, there's also a matching posture collar and sensory deprivation hood. Amanda held up a laced hood with holes for the wearer's eyes and nose. "'Well, they all seem quite nice, but I can't use the hood. "'I'm buying these toys for my female assistant, "'and her hair just won't work with the laces in the back.' "'Not to worry,' said Amanda confidently. "'We have a model for women as well,' she said as she retrieved one from the shelf below. It was essentially the same, except it had two pigtail holes in the back, one on either side. Perfect, Mistress Shelley exclaimed. That's why you're my sales girl, Amanda. Sales associate, Amanda corrected with a nod and a smile. Of course, Shelley countered with a look of false seriousness. Amanda continued to show Mistress Shelley the new products, as Dan followed along like a lost puppy. Once they had selected a number of additional items, Mr. Shelley was ready to see the items in action. Since she was buying the gear for a female assistant, it was agreed that Amanda would model the items and that Dan would assist by applying the restraints. Amanda excused herself to go into the dressing area to change into a bra and panty set that Mistress Shelley had selected. The bra was essentially a string bikini top made of latex, but it had a special feature to enhance an encounter. The portion of the bra that aligned with the wearer's nipples included latex nubs molded into the interior of the top. These nubs would flex and rub the nipples and areolas with even the slightest movement by the wearer. Amanda's nipples hardened as soon as she slipped the thing on. The thin latex strained to cover each nipple, which only amplified the visual effect. Amanda's pussy was covered barely by a latex thong that matched the brawl. A small dildo was molded into the front of the thong. It could not be worn without inserting the dildo into the vagina. It was to cover. Although relatively small, the dildo included a small, vibrating unit that was activated by movement of the wearer, of course. It could also be controlled by a wireless remote that was included in the packaging. The rear of the thong included a snap fastener, which could be attached to another small dildo, which was inserted into the wearer's anus. The position of the snap fastened was adjustable so that it accommodated a variety of body styles. The snap fastener also acted as an electrical conductor between the two dildos. When one was activated, either by the wearer's movements or by the wireless remote, the other was activated as well. Amanda knew she was in trouble the instant she finished dressing. She couldn't make the slightest movement without the latex clothing somehow stimulating her most sensitive areas. With a great effort and a fair amount of blushing, she gingerly walked back to Mistress Shelley and Anne. She looks fantastic, doesn't she? said Mistress Shelley to Dan, as though Amanda was a sports car or a painting. Yes, yes, she does, Dan replied slowly, not even realizing the lust in his voice. Mistress Shelley silently handed Dan two pieces of gear without removing her gaze from Amanda. Dan accepted the gear and gently raised Amanda's right wrist, I don't know about this one, Amanda said pleadingly. Her voice quivered uncontrollably as she fought off the effects of the orgasm building within her, an orgasm gaining in intensity with every tiny muscle movement. Dan saw excitement, fear, and confusion in her beautiful eyes. Amanda, dear, I know that every sales associate here has a safe word or gesture. Any time you want to stop, just let Dan know, Mistress Shelley said soothingly. That seemed to resolve Amanda's concern, and she offered her wrist to Dan. Dan rolled Amanda's fingers up to form her fist, and he inserted Amanda's right fist into a small ball of latex with an attached wrist cuff. He repeated the exercise with her left hand, encasing her left fist into a similar ball of latex. and a matter of seconds, Amanda had lost all of her fine motor control, and she was completely at the mercy of Dan and the dominatrix. Even if Dan hadn't locked the devices to her wrist, which he did, she could not have removed them without assistance. Dan slipped the keys into his front pocket and continued applying the restraints as he received them from Mistress Shelley. For several minutes, as the binding continued, the only sound that could be heard was Amanda's increasingly ragged breathing as an occasional soft moan. After Dan had applied the last of the selected restraints, the three of them stood there in silence. Dan and Mistress Shelley simply watched as Amanda slowly withered and squirmed without any intervention by either of them. It was as though Amanda's clothing and restraints were tormenting her for them. She stood within a structure of portable scaffolding. Her wrists and elbows were bound tightly behind her back. The latex wrist cuffs were lifted high behind her and attached to the top of the scaffolding by a latex leash. A similar leash stretched from her collar to an attachment point low on the scaffolding. Her legs were spread wide by ankle cuffs and latex leashes attached to the side of the scaffolding. She was bent over so that her nicely curved ass was exposed as it gently swayed back and forth. If Dan hadn't done the binding himself, he never would have guessed that the withering figure was Amanda. A latex hood completely covered all of her features except her eyes. A pigtail hung from each side of her otherwise smooth and mostly featureless head. The hood's integrated gag effectively muted Amanda's moans, which were so low and husky that they were sounding like the growl of a large dog. Dan and Mistress Shelley continued to silently admire Amanda as she stared straight down on the floor in front of them and continued to gyrate. The silence was suddenly broken by the familiar tingle of the door. And then a well-dressed older couple entered the store. Amanda raised her head in a surprised look at the incoming customers. Her eyes grew wide with panic. All of the blood in Dan's body seemed to float his head to his haste to assist Mistress Shelley to bind Amanda. He had forgotten to lock the front door before the modeling session even began. Dan looked from Amanda to Mistress Shelley and back again. Should I leave you and attend to the customers? Dan whispered to Amanda. She looked stunned. She began to shake her head no, but changed after a split second. She then bucked her head diagonally upward several times. You want me to get rid of them, he said. Amanda vigorously nodded her head, and Dan noticed tears streaming down Amanda's eyes. He quickly turned to Mistress Shelley and said, I expect you to be on your best behavior while I take care of this. You'd be surprised by my best behavior. Go ahead and take care of them. Amanda will be just fine. Dan approached the couple who were looking around the front of the store in obvious disgust. Good afternoon. I'm Dan. Can I help you with something? Dan said in his most sincere and helpful voice. The woman looked to the man as he said, I hope so. I'm looking for Amanda Miller. "'I'm her father, John, and this is her mother, Susan. "'We understand that she works here.' "'Dan remembered that Amanda had told him about her parents. "'They were a conservative older couple, "'and she had not dared to tell them where she worked "'for the fear of their disapproval. "'Suddenly the scaffolding at the back of the store shuddered loudly "'as Amanda's anonymous figure trembled like an erupting a volcano.' Her moans, though muffled, were loud enough to reach the front of the store before Dan could respond. "'What the hell is going on in this place?' Mr. Miller demanded. "'No need to worry, sir. Those are just a couple of performance artists rehearsing for a fashion show later this month.' Everyone stared silently at Amanda as she fell limp against her bonds, her head hung down like a marathon runner upon her crossing the finish line. "'Oh, John.' This place is horrible. Let's just find Amanda and take her home. Where's my daughter? Mr. Miller demanded. Sir, there is no Amanda Miller working here. We just opened this shop a few weeks ago. Dan was trying to calm the man down. We took over this space from a seedy store that went out of business. She may have worked for them, but otherwise I have no idea where your daughter might be. He lied. There was a strained... Silence, as Mr. and Mrs. Miller stared at Dan, deciding to believe his explanation. Very well. Let's get back to her apartment, Susan. Maybe we can get additional information from her landlord, said Mr. Miller reluctantly. The couple turned around to leave, but Dan could overhear their conversation as she walked to the door. You don't suppose the hooded one in the back was a man to do you? Mr. Miller asked his wife. "'No, I thought of that. The hair is all wrong. "'She seems to be shorter than Amanda, and the body type is different, too. "'I half a mind want to call the police to report what was going on in here,' he replied. "'I'm sure the police are keeping their eyes on this place, "'but it wouldn't hurt to notify them, just in case,' she said. "'As soon as the bell in the front door tinked "'and the uh, door behind them closed, the Millers were exited.' Amanda started stomping her feet and screaming into her gag. Dan knew that her foot stomping was Amanda's safe signal, but he reluctantly ignored it to watch the Millers through the front window. He continued to watch until the Millers were in their car and leaving the parking area. Only then did he lock the door and head to the back of the store. By the time Dan reached the scaffolding, Amanda was resting in a nearby chair. Mistress Shelley... "'had resisted her natural impulse to tease Amanda "'and had removed all of Amanda's restraints except the hood. "'Upon removing the hood, Amanda quickly thanked the two of them, "'dressed and rushed out of the rear of the store towards her car. "'She knew a shortcut to her apartment "'that might get her there before her folks. "'With the right timing and a plausible explanation,' Amanda believed that she could set things right. As she drove through the back streets of town toward her apartment, she reflected on the last 30 minutes, during which she had the most intense orgasm she had ever experienced. She now understood the awesome power of being powerless. She decided that once she was able to ease her parents' minds, she would have to introduce bondage into her relationship with Dan. She felt more alive than she had felt in a long while, and she knew he was the perfect partner for sharing her feelings. Now she just needed to decide which side of the restraint she wanted to be on, but that decision could wait. Chapter 6. Dan's Private Modeling Session The day following the unexpected visit of Amanda's parents was Saturday. Neither Dan nor Amanda were scheduled to work, and although they both wanted to spend the day together, they both knew that Amanda needed enough time spent with her parents to set their minds at ease. She spent the entire day visiting, shopping, dining out with her folks. It turned out they were on a cross-country road trip and had reservations at a hotel in a historic town five hours west. They stayed until 5 p.m., and they were satisfied that Amanda was doing well. She told them that a recent increase in online music sales forced the CD shop where she had worked to close down a few weeks earlier. She also told them that she was in the process of looking for another position. To quell their fears, she told them that she had saved enough money to last her for a few more weeks. Of course, they told her if she had found herself reaching the limit of her savings, that they would help her out. Don't hesitate to call us if you need us, they said repeatedly. At 5.05 p.m., Amanda's parents' car was heading out of her neighborhood. She called Dan to tell him everything, and how everything worked out, of course. They decided to grab a bite at their favorite brewery near the shop and to take in the latest movie at a theater a few blocks away. The pizza and beer were better than ever, and they talked about Amanda's revelation at the previous afternoon. She confided in Dan that she wanted to experiment with bondage in their relationship. Dan was surprised and a bit of unsure of how to handle this turn of events. Don't you get enough of that at work, he asked. Well, if you had asked me that a couple days ago, I would have said I get more than enough of that at work. But last night was different. Her eyes growing wide. You have no idea how it felt to be continuously aroused by even the most subtle movement and then realize that your parents are only a few yards away. She paused. And then you. You came to my rescue like some kind of white knight. Oh, come on, Dan said. I tied you up in the back of the store and then lied to your parents about it. That doesn't sound too chivalrous to me. You don't get it, she retorted. You protected me from total humiliation. But you still felt humiliated, though, didn't you? Well, yes, but that's exactly the tension that caused such an extreme reaction when I, you know, when I, um. Mandel looked down around and realized that she could find no politically correct way to express herself in the public restaurant. They took their time eating and they discussed their feelings at length. When they finally looked at the time, they realized that they could have not even made the movie at this point. Amanda said, you know, the shop is only a couple blocks away, and it's open for another 30 minutes. She smiled and said, please do this for me. smile that only that beautiful young woman could get away with. And Dan relented. They decided to go to the shop as customers instead of employees. When they reached the shop, they found Linda, the store manager. She was the only person tending the store. She was happy to see them, but surprised to see them out together. The shop had a strict no-dating policy between employees, and Linda made a point to remind them. In their rush to the shop, both Dan and Amanda had forgotten that they needed to be discreet. The relationship felt so natural that discretion hardly seemed necessary, but clearly was. Although Dan hardly knew Linda, Amanda was her close friend. She explained the situation to Lisa, who agreed to keep their secret as long as they were more careful about their dating in the future. Amanda agreed. Then Dan explained that he wanted to buy some bondage gear to experiment with in their personal lives. Well, we'd be happy to sell you anything, of course, anything that you want, but I do get the commission, Linda said. And since I'm the only sales associate on duty, I won't be modeling any of the items. That's okay. I was actually thinking of buying some gear for Dan anyway, Amanda said with a smile. Since we're just customers tonight, you wouldn't object to helping me out put a few things on him, would you? Wow, I'd love to, but we really shouldn't. Given the store's no dating policy, you shouldn't be seen in the store together as customers. Disappointment hung in the air. "'We could buy a few things and take them back to your place,' Dan offered. "'At one time or another, we've handled on most of the gear in the shop.' "'Not exactly,' Amanda said. "'I wanted to try out more of the new latex gear, "'the stuff designed especially for men. "'But it's so expensive. "'I didn't want to buy it unless it was really worth it, you know?' "'Let's compromise,' Linda replied.' I can't let you try the gear publicly on the showroom floor, but you can take it to the back room to try it out. Then if you like it, you can pay for it and slip out the back door. Everybody wins. You get to try out the new merchandise before you buy it. I get my commission, and you both learn the selling points of the gear. It's a deal, said Amanda before Dan could object. Fifteen minutes later, Dan found himself wearing a skin-tight latex thong the front of the thong formed an adjustable hole which permitted his cock and balls to be exposed. The hole surrounding the base of the wearer's genitalia could be adjusted to be comfortably loose or painfully constricting. Amanda adjusted it to provide a constant, pleasant amount of pressure. Each of Dan's arms were encased in a separate latex sleeve which ran from each wrist to just below the shoulder. Three thick padded cuffs were integrated into each sleeve, one above the bicep, one above the elbow, and one above the wrist. Amanda folded Dan's arms behind his back and locked each wrist cuff to the elbow of the opposite arm. A small strap ran along each of Dan's shoulders. Each strap connected the top cuff of each sleeve to a ring on each side of the severe, latex posture collar. The collar included a large O-ring in the front form, which a shiny latex leash dangled. To further restrain him, Amanda locked thick latex cuffs on his ankles and connected them with a 16-inch chain. A small jingle announced each of Dan's limited steps as the chain impacted the ground. Open up, Amanda said in a sweet sing- song tone, as she held a gag up to Dan's mouth. The sweetness in Amanda's voice made him hesitant, but he reluctantly accepted the gag. He didn't really have a choice at this point, but he trusted Amanda. Although Dan didn't realize that Amanda had selected a particularly effective pump gag, the interior portion of the gag was contoured to fit between the teeth and inside the cheeks of the wearer. The center portion of the inflatable interior forced the wearer's tongue down quite effectively. With the device fully inflated, Dan looked like a trumpet player hitting a particular difficult note. His mouth tasted like rubber and his loudest protest was barely audible. To further ensure his silence, Amanda insisted on inserting two short plastic tubes into his nostrils. The outer wall of each tube was spring-loaded and held itself in place by applying pressure to the interior sides of each nostril. Each tube also had a small hole through the center to allow air to pass through. Dan began to panic, but Amanda soothingly stroked his temples. She stared purposely into his eyes and quietly instructed him to remain calm. She explained that with the sufficient concentration, the nostril tubes would allow him to get more than enough air to breathe but not enough to enable him to produce any significant noise. Dan regained his composure and concentrated on controlling his breathing. Just then, the door to the showroom opened and Linda leaned in. "'I hate to break up the fun, but you two need to wrap it up in about five minutes,' Linda warned. "'As soon as I finish up my last customer, I'm closing up shop for the night.' "'What's so interesting?' voice behind Linda asked, I thought you said you were working alone tonight. Then a hand pushed the door open wide, and standing right behind Linda was Mistress Juliet, a customer of Amanda's. Dan's eyes grew wide in panic when he remembered Mistress Juliet. She was the customer who used a vibrator in Amanda after she was restrained by Dan. He knew that the mistress was nothing but trouble, and where he was completely restrained and exposed. The last thing he needed at the moment was for Amanda to be reminded of that breach of trust. But surely, all was forgotten by now, he thought. "'What have we have here?' Mistress Juliet asked with a smirk as she moved past Linda to completely enter the room. After an awkward silence, Amanda said, "'We're testing some of the new equipment.' Now, if you'll excuse us, we have work to do. Tisk tisk. you seem to have neglected some of the most important equipment, the dominatrix said as she nodded towards Dan's fully erect penis. Don't worry, Amanda began, barely able to contain a laugh. That equipment will be as fully tested as any. Now, please, I only have a few minutes before the shop closes. It's funny you should say that, the mistress replied. I only have a few minutes before the shop closes as well, and I haven't decided what I want to buy. I had originally come into the shop tonight hoping that your friend here was available to model a few items for me, but apparently you beat him to it. Dan was more turned on than he had ever been before. He was completely at the mercy of three attractive women who were talking about him as though he was a little more than a piece of furniture. Well... "'We'll both be in the shop tomorrow. "'We'd be happy to assist you in the morning,' Amanda said, smiling. "'No, that won't do it at all,' the dominatrix said, shaking her head. "'I'm sure he'll be much too tired for that gear that I have in mind. "'Are you sure that I can't just help you finish up here?' "'Dan vigorously shook his head and made unintelligible protest. "'He had trouble breathing, he became lightheaded, "'and his erection grew harder than ever.' Normally I would decline, of course, but you really are a valued customer and there isn't much left to do. Amanda looked at Dan's manhood and then back to the mistress. Oh, that's where you're wrong. You can do so much with just a little bit of time and effort if you know what you're doing, said Mistress Juliet. She quietly used her middle finger to stroke the underside of Dan's straining cock. She made one silky movement from the opening in the latex thong to just below the head of his penis, and he exploded. Oh, my! exclaimed Linda in surprise. We'd better get something to clean that up. Linda and Amanda instinctively went to a cabinet behind Dan where the cleaning supplies were stored. As they were searching the cabinet, Mistress Juliet quickly opened her purse removed a clean tissue and wiped the residue from Dan's quickly shrinking member. She then took a bottle of hand lotion from her purse and swiftly moisturized his penis. No need, ladies. I have tissue in my purse, the dominatrix announced with satisfaction. Amanda and Linda turned around just in time to hear a click, and one fluid motion Mistress Juliet had removed a metal tube from her purse slid Dan's now flaccid lubricated shaft into it, and locked an attached cuff around the base of his cock and balls. Dan started twisting his bonds and making a high pitched whining sound. What have you done? Amanda demanded. Oh nothing really, mister Juliet replied, casually shrugging her shoulders. It's just my little way to ensure my sales associate won't be too tired to model my gear tomorrow morning you bitch you locked him into a chastity device amanda said her face turning an angry red let him out this instant i'm afraid that i don't have to take orders from you juliet said let him out i said amanda said feebly i'll remove the device when i'm ready which won't be any time before tomorrow the dominatrix said as she turned toward the door i'll return when the shop opens at noon until then don't do anything I wouldn't do, and then she was gone. A few seconds later, the bell in the front door sounded, and Amanda quickly grabbed a keychain from a nearby wall hook. Don't worry, Dan, this is our emergency key ring. It holds a key to every kind of handcuff imaginable. These types of chassis devices are usually made using common handcuff locks. As Amanda bent down to begin testing each key, Linda looked over her shoulder. Dan tried to stand as still as possible. That doesn't look like any handcuff that I've ever seen. As Amanda made her way through all of the keys on the emergency ring, she realized that Linda was right. Chapter 7, A Lapse in Judgment Linda and Amanda unlocked Dan's restraints in a dejected silence. They both knew that the chastity device was not going to come off before the shop opened the next day. Dan, too, was silent. Even after they removed Dan's gag, he didn't have anything to say. Should we call the police? Linda finally asked, as the two women unlocked the last restraint. No, I don't need my penis at the center of some police investigation, Dan said forcefully. With the kind of bad publicity that the shop would get from an incident like this, we'd all be out of a job by next weekend. And that bitch knows it, she added spitefully. "'The owner keeps a complete record of each of the regular customers. "'We could use the emergency number to contact him,' Linda suggested. "'Or her,' Dan and Amanda said in unison. "'They smiled at each other because they always jokingly referred to the owner "'as him or her because of the anonymity. "'No, then we'd have to explain how all of this happened and we'd all get fired.' With no alternative, the three closed up shop and went home for the night. Although we were seriously concerned about his predicament, Dan didn't find the chastity tube that uncomfortable, honestly. The worst part was the added weight if placed on the base of the cock and his balls. When he walked, he didn't really even notice it. The next day, both Dan and Amanda arrived early to open the shop. Dan wore baggy sweatpants to hide the bulk of the metal tube. Amanda felt completely responsible and empathized with Dan's situation. Dan tried to ease her mind, but she knew he was anxious to regain control over his own body. They opened the shop at 11.50, and by 12.15, no customers had entered the store. You do think she's going to come back, right? asked Dan. Yes, I I think she's just trying to make us sweat, honestly, Amanda replied. The day wore on slowly. Sundays were never busy at the shop. And that day was an unusually slow day. By 4 p.m., Mistress Juliet still hadn't arrived. At 5.30, Linda stopped in to see how things were going, but she was upset to find that Dan was still wearing the device. She told Dan and Amanda that she couldn't stay, but asked them to call her on her mobile phone to let them know what had happened later on. Fifteen minutes before closing time, the front door bell chimed to announce Mistress Juliet's arrival. She entered the shop like she owned it. As the front door closed, she locked the deadbolt and turned a small sign so that passerbys would see that the shop was closed. Dan couldn't remember ever being more relieved to see someone. "'He immediately approached her. "'Thank you for coming, Mistress Juliet. "'Can I help you with something?' "'He said with a courteous smile. Mistress Juliet smiled, paused, "'and then slowly and softly answered, "'Yes, yes you can. "'When I came in last night, "'I was in search of some new gear "'for a male client of mine. "'I would like you to model it for me. "'I'd be happy to, "'if you'll agree to remove the chastity device, of course.' Dan said, trying not to, sound too anxious. Amanda jumped into the conversation. Well, the store closes in a half hour, what would you like to see? My, my, Mistress Juliet said. She turned towards Amanda. I've never had such an attentive service here. Let's start with the best arm binder in the store. Mistress Juliet selected a 3,000-leather single-sleeve arm binder. The high-quality craftsmanship was obvious, and she instructed Dan to take off his shirt and turn around. Dan glanced towards Amanda, who quickly intervened. Mistress Juliet, you know the rules. I'm happy to help Dan into the armbinder, she said. Mistress Juliet thought for a moment. Well, it seems to me that I have the key to Dan's manhood. Doesn't that mean that I make the rules? They all stood in silence for a moment before Dan spoke. "'Look, you clearly can't be trusted. "'You locked my penis in a chastity tube "'the last time I let you.' Mistress Juliet held a finger up to her lips "'to silence him, and he instinctively complied. "'Actually, you didn't let me do anything. "'Your girlfriend did. "'You were completely restrained, as I recall, "'and despite your trust in her, "'she let a virtual stranger get you off "'and lock a cuff around your cock and balls.' Dan and Amanda were stunned. It sounds to me like you need to place your trust in someone else. Since I'm the only other choice, I'll apply the restraints. Amanda can assist, if she wishes. You may learn a thing or two. Dan resigned himself to the idea that he would have to submit in order to free his genitals. Please promise that you'll unlock the chastity tube. I don't know about this, Amanda offered. It's a deal, replied the dominatrix, and she continued to collect restraints from various parts of the store. Within minutes, Juliet had Dan completely under her control. He was naked, but for the restraints, which included the expensive leather monoglove, a strict four-inch posture collar, and goggles that significantly obscured his vision without completely blinding him. "'A leather gag filled his mouth "'and wrapped around the lower portion of his head "'like the bottom half of a hood. "'It covered his chin and effectively silenced "'any sound he tried to make. "'He wore nothing below his waist "'except a pair of leather gloves, "'which, of course, were cuffs like around his ankles "'and connected by a 12-inch leather strap "'and, of course, the chastity device.' The store was quiet except for the hum of the fluorescent lights and the sound of Dan's breathing. The mistress deliberately circled around Dan with an arrogant strut, as though he really was her slave. Dan tried his best to follow her through the shadows caused by the goggles. Finally, she stopped in front of him and said, Enough is enough, and she reached down to the cuff around his genitals. He squeezed the two hinged halves of the cuff together. "'slightly with her left hand while twisting the right hand-arm of the cuff a quarter turn "'and the cuff sprung open. "'Dan groaned, realizing that he could have freed himself at any time "'if he had known that the lock was a ruse. "'Mrs. Juliet carefully removed the cuff and attached tube from Dan's manhood "'while Amanda watched over her shoulder, mumbling unintelligibly. "'Before Dan could get used to this new situation,' Mrs. Juliet rolled a thick rubber O-ring to the base of his penis. He was immediately excited, and his member grew uncontrollably, straining against the tension of the O-ring. "'Oh, my! Your equipment is just what I need,' said the dominatrix with a smile. It wasn't clear whether she was addressing Dan or Amanda, and each of them hoped it was the latter. "'I'll take it all.' she said, looking Dan up and down. Removing a six-foot leather leash from a nearby display, she added, this is well, as she clipped it to Dan's collar. Excellent. Now if you will step over to the counter, we can add it all up. Amanda walked behind the counter in the middle of the shop. Mrs. Juliet walked to the front of the counter, pulling Dan along beside her. Amanda totaled up, all of the merchandise that Dan was wearing and said forty one hundred even. You can't be serious, the mistress said in mock astonishment. The monoglove alone is three thousand. The other leather goods are probably one thousand, which means that you haven't charged me for the young man. Amanda was confused, but Dan understood perfectly. He twisted violently and tried to back away from the Dominatrix but she held him firm with an experienced hand. Don't be ridiculous, said Amanda. You know that we don't charge for our modeling services. With a deadly serious stare, the mistress corrected Amanda. I'm not offering payment for his services. I'm offering payment for him. As the implication dawned on her, Amanda immediately came around the counter to release Dan. Before she even realized what was happening, Amanda found her face pressed onto the dirty commercial carpeting. The dominatrix pressed her knee into Amanda's back and twisted her hand high behind her back. "'Playtime is over,' she said softly in Amanda's ear. "'You trusted me to bind him, and now he is mine.' Mistress Juliet slowly released Amanda's arm and allowed her to stand up. Amanda began crying. She didn't know what to do. The mistress handed Amanda her credit card and seemed sympathetic to the tears. Are you too involved? She asked Amanda. Amanda bit her lip and nodded. I thought that wasn't allowed at this store. The mistress pressed. No one was supposed to know. With a sigh of resignation, the mistress said, Well, that is a fly in the ointment, isn't it? Okay, let's make another deal. Amanda and Dan waited to hear the details. "'Neither of you are in a position to refuse, so here it is. "'Anytime I come into the store, you let me bind your young man here any way I see fit. "'No interference, no safe word. "'It's either that or I take my prize here and now.' "'The mistress glanced at each of them in turn, "'and after a slight hesitation she finished with, "'Great, it's a deal.' Amanda ran the credit card across the magnetic reader while the mistress released Dan from the bonds. Nobody said a word. The mistress bagged up her gear, accepted the credit card and receipt from Amanda, and silently left the store. Dan and Amanda both knew that they were in over their heads. After several minutes of routine cleanup, Dan spoke. I'm going to look for another job in the morning. Amanda smiled approvingly. Great idea. I'll help. Chapter 8. Honest is the best policy. After closing the shop, Dan and Amanda went to Dan's apartment to spend Sunday evening. Neither spoke much, but each communicated their feelings in other ways. A kind touch, a loving smile. When they arrived, Dan turned on his computer and began composing an email to the owner of the store. Dear Sir or Madam... Unfortunately, I am emailing you to inform you of a serious lapse of judgment on my part. Over the past few weeks, I have been carrying on a personal relationship with Amanda in violation of the shop's strict no-dating policy. I understand that you have a zero-tolerance policy for such behavior, and I would not be surprised if you demanded both of our resignations immediately. Although I have started to look for a new position, I know that the shop is already understaffed, Amanda and I would be happy to remain on staff as long as it takes to hire and train replacement sales associates. Of course, I would be personally grateful if you allowed Amanda to remain at the store after I leave. She enjoys her work, and she is an exceptional salesperson. Please reply with your decision, Dan. Before the end of the evening, Dan received an answer to his email confession. He almost deleted the message because the owner had spoofed the email system into displaying Dan's own email address as the source of the reply. The owner responded with this. Daniel, I truly appreciate your honesty. Of course, I cannot tolerate your infraction if I am to remain consistent with my long-standing policy prohibiting employee dating. For that reason, I must regretfully terminate your employment as well as Amanda's. That said, I also truly appreciate your offer to stay on and help and view of the shop's current staffing crunch. I will take you up on your offer of staying on until you find another suitable position. Of course, Amanda should begin looking for alternate employment as well. As you probably guessed, leather or not is merely a pleasant distraction for me. I support myself through a number of other endeavors, and I own and run several other businesses which are far more profitable than the shop. One such business may soon have an opening for your services, Amanda's services, or both. Once I've had an opportunity to consider each of your respective talents, as well as the talents of other qualified applicants, I will contact you. Until then, please know, while I'm disappointed that you broke my rules, I respect your honesty. M. After reading the reply, both Dan and Amanda were saddened but relieved. None of them were scheduled to work on Monday, so they both decided that they would spend the entire day on their job searches. Dan and Amanda went to bed Sunday evening and slept well, knowing that they no longer need to hide their relationship. Monday was spent mostly in front of Dan's computer. First, they updated Dan's resume, then they updated Amanda's. They identified as many jobs as they could, made phone calls, printed resumes, and prepared mailings. Tuesday, however, brought them back to reality. They both got ready for work and started the day early. The day began as routinely as any other. Although business was slow because it was a weekday, Dan and Amanda kept themselves busy by unpacking and tagging inventory, restocking shelves, and cleaning the shop. When they weren't busy themselves with administrative tasks, they alternated tending to customers. Nearly every customer that day had been a novice or thrill seeker who failed to buy anything rather than a cheap pair of handcuffs or some low-end ball gag. Shortly before closing time, however, the day took a decidedly different turn. A man in a black trench coat and dark glasses entered the store, rolling an oversized stainless steel briefcase behind him. If Dan hadn't have known better, he'd have sworn that he had stumbled onto the set of a low-budget thriller, and that the customer was an undercover agent of some type. It was Dan's turn to wait on the customer, so he approached the man with his usual inviting style. "'Hi, I'm Dan. Welcome to Leather or Not. Can I help you find something?' No, but I may be able to help you find something, the customer said. Dan couldn't believe how melodramatic this guy was, but he played along. Oh, really? How's that? Well, I represent a new player in the high-end bondage equipment and accessory market. If you and your coworker have a few minutes, I'd like to demonstrate some of our devices for you. Dan looked over his shoulder to Amanda, who had been listening to the entire exchange. Amanda shrugged as though to say, why not? Dan turned back to the stranger and said, Actually, we don't make the purchasing decisions, but if you leave your card, we can pass along to the owner. I'm not asking you to make any decisions about purchasing our products, but if I could just demonstrate a few of them, I'm certain that you would appreciate how unique they are. Then you could describe the products better to the shop's owner, the man explained. Amanda had come out from behind the counter to stand next to Dan. Sure, we'd be happy to take a look, she said with a smile. Great, said the man. I'll set up the demonstration in the open area over there, he said, pointing toward the back of the shop. Amanda nodded. Okay. As the man moved to the demonstration area, Dan pulled aside Amanda. Something about this doesn't feel right, he whispered. "'Yeah, I know, he looks like one of them men in black, "'but lighten up, it could be fun,' she said with a smile. "'The man took off his trench coat "'to reveal an expensive black suit. "'Amanda offered to hang it up, "'and Dan watched the man unfasten two latches "'on the side of the stainless steel case. "'As he opened the doors of the case, "'several felt-covered shelves swiveled into place, "'creating a type of Christmas tree-shaped display case.' with the lowermost shelf jutting out from the case, the farthest and the uppermost shelf remaining close to the case. Each shelf displayed a different set of restraints devices, and top shelf contained a small stainless steel case, which resembled a miniature of the case from which it emerged. Okay, I'll need a volunteer, the man announced as he pointed at Dan. Wait a minute, you never said anything about having to try the stuff on. You do it he said, looking over to Amanda. Actually, she can't. The set is specifically designed for a male, the man said flatly as he leaned down to remove a device from the bottom shelf. Oh, come on, said Amanda. You've done this countless times before. I'll go lock the front door and we'll consider this gentleman our last customer of the evening. Resigned to the task. Dan accepted the first restraint from the man. He turned over his hands, and he couldn't quite figure out how to wear it. He thought it was some type of belt, but it had no buckles. It had a generally egg-shaped container at one end and three rubber straps coming out of it. Each of the three straps connected to a silver box at the other end of the device. The center strap was considerably thinner than the two-sided straps. Dan figured that the thicker side straps formed the belts and the two center straps passed between the wearer's legs, but he wasn't too eager to find out. "'Well, while your co-worker is closing the front door, is there a dressing room where you can put this on?' said the man. "'Yes, I I wouldn't know how to begin to putting it on, though,' Dan said with a question in his voice. "'I'll go back with you to assist,' the man offered. "'Whoa!' I draw the line at any customer touching me in the dressing room, especially another guy, Dan growled. I assure you that I'm as uninterested in touching you as you are in being touched. By assist, I merely meant that I could talk you through it, the man explained. Slowly, Dan made his way to the changing room. Once both men were in the room, Dan said loudly, The door stays open. No problem, said the man with a tone. Dan removed his clothing and hung it on the hook in the dressing room. He stepped into the belt-like device, placing the larger oval-shaped metal piece in front and the smaller rectangular metal box towards the lower back. As Dan had guessed, the man explained that the larger metal container was a penile restraint and chastity device that fastened around a man's cock and balls. I've had a bad experience with chastity devices. Can I take it off whenever I want to? Dan said. Any time you want it removed, just let me know, said the man. The man then instructed Dan to how to open the holding chamber. Although barely visible with the naked eye due to its superior construction, the metal chamber was made of two halves, which opened from the bottom. The device could then be fastened around his manhood from the top, and closed again to seal the appendage within the chamber. The brushed metal case had an upwardly curved spine that acted as a hinge for the two sides. Once opened, it resembled an expensive car with gull wing doors on the edges of the side closest to the wearer rubber piping lined opening which secured the device to Dan's package. Dan hated to admit that it actually looked rather uncomfortable, but as things would go inside the device, it was supported by metal blocks along the underside of the spine. According to the man's instruction, Dan threaded his penis through the rings before carefully closing the device around his penis and balls. Although there was no visible locking mechanism, the sides held faster, Closer together once the device was closed. Dan assumed that the sides were either spring loaded or magnetized to keep the device closed. When the two men returned to the demonstration area, they found Amanda sitting in a chair patiently waiting for them. She smiled as she eyed Dan wearing nothing but his metal and rubber thong. As the man began to remove one device after another from the display case, he explained to Dan and Amanda that these restraints did not use a conventional locking mechanism. Each device employed a small but powerful electromagnetic which enabled the device to be locked and unlocked electronically. Each device further had a small transceiver and microprocessor built into it, allowing the set of devices to be wirelessly networked together and controlled. Finally, Each device had a small servo motor, which could lengthen or shorten each attached strap to ensure a customized, secure, but comfortable fit. The man handed Dan a wide rubber collar. Dan examined the collar with a critical eye now that he had more information. The collar seemed exceedingly simplistic. It appeared to be a little more than a rubber strap with a metal box at each end. Dan wrapped the strap around his neck, and the two boxes clicked together when they met at the back of his neck. After following the salesman's directions to fasten cuffs around his wrists, above his elbows, and around his thighs and ankles, Dan was not impressed. Although the belt, collar, and cuffs would come off rather easily, they were not exactly snug. He looked at Amanda with a look that said, "'So this is it?' While the two were having their silent conversation, the man opened the small metal case on the top shelf of the display and removed what appeared to be a flip phone. He handed the device to Amanda and said, You do the honors. The man instructed Amanda to navigate a simple graphical user interface with a few touches to the screen. Dan was startled to find that all the restraints had automatically tightened to a point that made him feel completely controlled, even though he still had the use of all his limbs. While standing next to Amanda, the man reached over and quickly touched a screen a few more times and said, Please place your hands, palms to palm, behind your back, and touch your wrists together. Slowly, Dan complied. As his wrists drew closer, he felt the strong attraction of the metal boxes of the wrist cuffs with a loud metallic clink the wrist cuffs became inseparable. As Dan stood looking behind at his wrists and tugging against his bonds, the stranger began to list the highlights of the new bondage system. As you can see, the cuffs are incredibly easy to use. Although we are using a dedicated remote controller, the system can be controlled by apps downloadable to any mobile phone or PDA. In addition, the cuffs are virtually inescapable, employing the same electromagnetic technology used by department stores and office buildings to secure their front door during office hours. They do seem secure and easy to use, but are they safe? Asked Amanda. Good question. The system includes a panic button that will instantly release all control of the cuffs. Once pressed, the cuffs will literally fall off the wearer. Of course, I'm not quite ready to show you that feature since we've Really, just started the demonstration. The man showed a red circle in the lower right corner of the flip phone screen. Of course, agreed Amanda. In addition, the cuffs can be set to release at a predetermined time or after a predetermined duration. They also have a time delay feature, enabling them automatically to lock after a predetermined duration. These features not only add to the safety of the system but make it an excellent choice for those interested in solo bondage. Wow, I'm impressed. You guys have really thought this through, said Amanda. I could go on and on, but let me show you some of the accessories, said the man. He is able to touch his elbows behind his back. Amanda giggled. (laughs) No, he can get them within a few inches, but he can't get them to touch. Well, in that case, let me show you one of our spacers the man pulled out a nine-inch length of hard rubber cord with a metal disc attached to either end. After directing Amanda through a couple of taps on the remote controller, the man held one metallic end of the cord to Dan's left elbow cuff and the other end of the cord to Dan's right elbow cuff. A pair of loud clinks announced that Dan's elbows were inescapably linked together. The look on Dan's face suggested that his elbows were at their limit. The man asked Dan, "'How does that feel?' "'Uncomfortable,' Dan replied, grimacing. "'Tell me, young man, "'why do you worship this young woman you work with?' "'There was an awkward silence "'as Dan tried to find the right answer. "'Of course he does,' interjected Amanda, smiling. "'Yes, of course,' repeated the man. "'Let's prove it, shall we? "'If you would be so kind, "'please step over to your lady friend,' "'and kneel down in front of her. "'Dan smiled sheepishly, moved in front of Amanda, "'and knelt down in front of her. "'The man reached over to the controller in Amanda's hand "'and deftly pressed a few buttons on the remote control, "'and clink, clink, each of Dan's thigh cuffs "'were instantly welded to the corresponding ankle cuff, "'forcing him to remain kneeling in front of Amanda.' Wow, I'm liking this more all the time, said Amanda with a mischievous grin as she looked into Dan's eyes. Yes, I thought you might, said the man confidently. So what else do we have, asked Amanda. Well, we have quite an accessory and a big assortment. For example, we have ballet boots with electromagnetics built into the heels and sole. When used with specialized flooring, a subject can be rendered immobile without otherwise restraining them. Taking a breath, the man continued. Let's see. We have female insertables, anal insertables, nipple rings, you name it. All controllable through the same interface. We also offer heart monitors, perspiration sensors, GPS devices that can be used to provide input for certain automated functions of any other networked device. Of course, we are proudest of our blindfolds and gags, but I'm not allowed to demonstrate those. Why not? Amanda asked, disappointed. Because our owner insists on personally demonstrating those pieces since they incorporate some of her best ideas. The screen on the remote controller suddenly went blank, and Amanda heard a small noise toward the front of the store. Looking up, she was shocked to see Mistress Juliet standing near the checkout counter with the remote controller in her hand, similar to the one Amanda was holding. The mistress was dressed in a black leather trench coat with her hands on her hips and a broad smile across her face. Until then, listeners, this is our conclusion of Leather or Not, Part 1. Please tune in next Friday for Part 2 of Leather or Not, Until then, make all your fantasies a reality. Thank you for listening. Good night.